0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to John Com report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. And again, you can always read my work on ESPN.com. So there you go. So today, Thursday, another training camp wrap-up practice report. So today, a much lighter day. Yesterday, they went two and a half hours. But today was a lot about correcting mistakes that were been made over the last couple of days. So they went pretty hard for three days, back-to-back days and pads. and they run a higher volume of plays in those practices than they, than they used to. And I told you on, on Wednesday, they went for two and a half hours in the pads, and so it was very physical. So they wanted a lighter day, but the reason why they also wanted, and this is another uh um, impact, is because they wanted to go over and correct a lot of the stuff that they had seen during the last couple of days and just going over some plays to make sure they get it down right. So you're watching the number one offense work against like the backup Defensive players and the defensive players are, you know, it's almost like a scout team situation because they're kind of they'll give them the play card and they'll show what they need to do because they want to give the offense a look against with a particular play against a particular look so they could work on that and something maybe they messed up the other day. And it's one of those things that, again, this is something that and I was talking to Ron Rivera afterwards, like this is something that that Andy Reid did in Kansas city and in Philadelphia. So it's a carryover from that, but it's because of the enemy being here and, and they gives them a chance to, again, go over some mistakes. The enemy has been pretty good based on what I've heard at correcting these mistakes during the practice and also gives the defensive players the same ability to do that as well. So that's a lot of what they were doing today. And, you know, I go back to that higher volume of plays. And and so when we were talking to a couple of us were talking to Logan Thomas after practice on Wednesday about the higher volume and uh, Nikki Javala wrote a story in the Washington post about you know, how there's not much standing around anymore in practice. And, and, you know, you're still going to see it because you can't have everybody out there all at once. And if there's a group, if there's 11 on 11, you're going to have guys who will be on the sidelines, but by and large, there's always something going on. And it go, you go back to the higher volume. And one of the things, one of the reasons that when talking to Logan Thomas, that they like doing that or what they're trying to prepare him for is the fourth quarter of games. And that's when, you know, that that's when, listen, it's when games are won or lost, And if you can be sharper in those late sessions in practice, perhaps it carries over to the games at some point. As an example, in that practice on Wednesday, they had officials here for the first time. The offense had five false start penalties. Now, I don't know that was all the first string offense, but the offense in general had five false starts. The defense had three face face mask penalties during that period. So that's, could be a direct result of getting tired getting worn down but the more you do that the better you can condition yourself for the game so that's why you do it now and it's why i think that's that's part of the philosophy is to kind of get some of it is just throwing a lot at them and getting things done and, and, practicing with a different sort of tempo and urgency, but also the offshoot is conditioning them. There's a conditioning aspect, but it's also conditioning them physically and mentally. Cause if you can't be sharp in the fourth quarter, you're going to struggle to win games in this league. So now, you know about that with Sam Hall, part of the key, you know, we talked a little bit, a lot about how he did not look sharp on Saturday been talked about you know by almost too much because so there's a ton on that kid right and listen you're starting if you're going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL you're going to get a lot placed on you but to me the whole thing is it's progress and how do you respond and and how responded with a steadily, Solid week, and it you, Monday was better than Saturday. Tuesday was better than Monday, and Wednesday was better than Tuesday. And so that's what the coaches are also looking to. Keep in mind, it's not where Hall is at now; it's where they think he can get to, and that's what you always have to keep in mind when you're going with a young quarterback. We know what Jacoby Brissett offers, and I think he's been a I think he's a valuable addition here because, in case Hall can't do it. Or in case if they don't feel confident in him, you have a veteran you can turn to and a veteran who's played ga- played in games, has experience and can go out and run it, you know, just like he's run it many times before. But with Howell, what they're looking for is it's also it's always about decision making. It's not just did you complete the pass or not? It's why did you go to this receiver? because. Over time, the things that will win in this league are good decision making, uh good habits, right? So and I I jotted down in my notes Kirk Cousins, and I and I was talking to someone about this today. Cousins came in as a fourth round pick. Is he was he dramatically more talented than Sam Howell coming out of college? No. And in fact, you could probably make a, a case the other way with Howell that if you know, I think Howell was probably has probably has more talent. The one thing they share though is they work. And they work on the the important aspects, the position that knowing the coverages, knowing the reads, knowing the defense, et cetera. When Howell was a freshman, or, you know, early in his tenure at North Carolina, he was already looking at NFL defenses because they knew the kid had a shot to get to the NFL. That stuff translates. That's why Cousins has lasted. Whether however good you think he is, the guy was a fourth round pick who's made a ton of money and is a has been a quality starter in the NFL. Because of how he worked. It wasn't about physical traits. It was about how he worked. Too often people get caught up in physical traits. And I think there's a lot of other things that matter at the position, including maturity. It's something Hal has. I think the work ethic, something Hal has. Now, you also have to have the good arm talent, you have to have skill. That's all that's there. And even, you know, and I again, I'll go stick with cousins. Cousins had a natural, had a progression, and it took him a few years. So that's why I say with Howell, I think he can get there it's just a matter of when. We don't know that answer yet. But anyways, in camp what they're looking for with him is again the progression. And then also when he when he when he makes the throw, where is the ball? Is it front shoulder, back shoulder? Is it in front or behind the receiver? Because if it's behind, then you're going to look at well why is that? Is it the feet? And a lot of times it has been the feet where maybe his shoulders turn but his feet aren't. So is they want the feet moving in sync with the eyes. That's footwork. That's detailed footwork. And when you get that, you get more accurate throws. And so that's what they that's one of the things they saw yesterday was more lining up of the feet and the eyes. And that led to again more accurate throws. Sometimes you're going to be off a little bit. And sometimes, sometimes it's because, quite frankly, because the defense is on a side. So you have to throw to a different shoulder that might look like it's off, but it's really giving the receiver a chance to away from being hit or turning up into maybe a better lane. Jacoby Brissett, I think, has been really good at that as well, especially in the red zone. And you see Brissett throws a ball that really, I think, uh, gives the receiver the only chance of the ball, especially like some, some stuff over the middle to a bigger guy does a good job. If the, if the backer is on the, on the outside shoulder, does a really good job of throwing it low into the inside. And that's something with, again, with how though, what they really, when you, so when you start, when we start seeing them in preseason games, etc. look at the feet and the eyes, if the feet, if the eyes are moving to the left, are the feet moving with them? Because if they're not, and the throw is off, that's something they need to correct. And, and then, you know, and then, or is it because he's getting to his reads too late? So that's another thing. But again, they saw the steady progression. And again, in uh, it's what I said is how do you respond to a tough day? I think he did a nice job. So, and one of the, but it's, but it, you shouldn't be surprised by that because one of the strengths of Howell is that he doesn't let anything disturb him, and he was like that as a freshman at North Carolina. And he was liked as a junior in North Carolina. He was like that last year. And he remains that way. And it's a good attribute to have as a quarterback, especially when you know you're going to make mistakes and he is. And again, what you, what they have to hope is that those mistakes don't kill them, that he can learn from them and grow and develop with this offense. And again, I always tell you it's got to get some help from that offensive line. And so we'll see what happens there. But that's, that's one thing I wanted to talk about with, with Howell. And Again, it's not where he's at now. It's where can he get to? That's going to be the key. There's a couple of things, and it's you know it's funny because I was I didn't jot this, this did not jot this down. Boy, why was that so hard for me to say? I didn't jot this down in my notes. But one of the things that's been gratifying for me as someone who's covered this team for a long time is seeing and hearing from former workers who, who worked for the Redskins football team, Commanders, <clears throat> whatever. A long, some of them long ago. That now feel like they can come back and be a part of the organization again, maybe not so much working for them, but just coming out, going to games. And I've heard multiple ex-employees who feel like they now want to go to a game. And I saw one today, Bob Baker, who used to work for the franchise back in public relations a long time ago when Dan Snyder first came on board and so and he was out at practice today and i told him like that's one thing that i like to see that people like that feel like they can now return again and embrace this place and, and and i think that's cool and again i've heard that from a lot of people so i think that's one benefit and there's a lot of people who there are a lot of people who have worked here who felt like this was a special place for them this it was you it was the nfl but it was also a hallmark franchise and all that so they get here and they had a certain experience and then it's hard to return because there's just a lot of scars but it's nice to see when people can and when they feel like like feel like they can and that they want to and you see that from a lot of fans too but especially those coat those ex-workers i think that's been nice to see School is out and summer is here, so it's time to plan your next family adventure. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the largest ropes course and zip line park in the country. Beat the heat and join us after dark for some night climbing. When the sun goes down, the park is lit up, allowing you to climb under the stars. Check out their glow-in-the-park events for extra glow lights and music throughout the forest. Want to keep your feet on the ground? Grab a bite to eat from the food truck and give axe throwing a try. Perfect for first-timers or experts, their projector systems allow you to throw at traditional targets, play tic-tac-toe, connect for, or even hunt zombies. Listeners of this show can get $5 off any ticket. By entering the code KIME23DC at checkout. That's promo code KIME23DC, K E I M 23DC. Now open seven days a week, this is the perfect time of year to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. A couple notes on player Sadiq Charles had that minor calf strain, did not work today, but again, it was very, it was, today was, it was more, it wasn't. A walkthrough, but it was not a full sprint practice, so he didn't go. Chris Paul was still in there in the left guard. <clears throat> David bought a defensive tackle, suffered a torn triceps. Not good news for him. So that that's that's a bad situation for him. Anyway, one person asked me about Ricky Stromberg. Wanted to know where has he been at, or what what's how is his update? Oh, he's been working with the twos and the threes. Initially, he'll usually start off with the threes. Tyler Larson and he split time with the twos occasionally he's going to get some work with the ones and you have to give him that he's a third round pick. And he's probably going to be a guy that if something happens to gates, he may have to go in there. And so he's doing, now how well he's doing. It's, it's, it's hard to say fully, but one of the things you see is like, he probably needs to improve his strength a little bit. That's one thing to work on, but fundamentally it looks pretty solid. And so I, you know, I think he's a guy that can help them if he has to go in and play at some point this season, but I think the hard part with him is that he is. There's a lot of talk about position versatility, and that's not something that is really in his in his in his uh, uh, resume right now. So, and that's not how they view him as a guard. So they view him as a center, and that's why a guy like Tyler Tyler Larson may have to stick around. Because when you look at when you look at the offensive line and the backups, it could be a pretty inexperienced group. Because you, let's say they keep ten offensive linemen. Well, three of them are going to be either Chris if Chris Paul doesn't start. Chris Paul, Stromberg, and Brayden Daniels. So you have two guys who are rookies and another guy who is, you know, only in his second year. That's high, a, a lot of inexperience. And then you Cornelius Lucas veteran. And so then if you keep a fifth one, you're going to need you're going to want a guy who can play center guard or at least guard in some way. So could that be Tyler Larson? That's what I would assume right now because he, he can play guard, Nolan Lawfordberg can play both center and guard. So those, you know, those are some guys that you'd have to watch, but that's that's it's going to be interesting what they do with the backup of offensive line and it may be why you have to keep 10 instead of just 9. Now you can also keep a few guys on the practice squad and be okay, but I think on that active roster you you're not going to expose a third you're certainly Stromberg's going to be on there, but you're not going to expose Brayden Daniels to the practice squad because he's a fourth round pick, right? Um, and you're not going to, you're not going to certainly not going to put Paul in there. So you're going to want a couple of experienced guys because of that inexperience. I'm going to get into some other position things, but one of the things I think you guys should do if you have a chance is I don't know if you saw this, but the the interview that Terry McLaurin did with the Pivot podcast, which includes former uh, Washington safety Ryan Clark, just a very insightful interview with McLaurin. I think it gives people, an ex- I think you guys know this, like, you know, how he's been. And I think one of the things I liked about this interview is it give gives more people outside of Washington a chance to see what kind of guy this, that McLaurin is. And, and he's, you know, I think he's the real deal. Right. And I, but the, the, the reason why I enjoyed it is because it, it's a little bit like how I feel when we talk to him, we get these really good answers. And I thought they were able to go pretty deep with some of their questions and answers. They had a long time with him. I also think they there's as ex-players, you sometimes come from a different perspective that lends itself to good discussions. But also with McLaurin, he was very open about his therapy. It's something, it's something he briefly mentioned one time. And I talked to him about it later in the year that was very interesting and why he needed it, how it helped him. And and he's very humble. I think that that is not an act because it's who he is. I think part of it is the way he had to earn the scholarship at Ohio State, the way he had to earn playing time at Ohio State. Then he comes here as a third-round pick. He's always had to come in somewhere and prove himself. I mean, I was just talking about that with someone today. They genuinely thought he'd be a good backup receiver and a great special teamer when he came here. And <laughs> he's never been a special teamer because he was a really good receiver right away because he saw he could do it. But he's also someone who's, you. he knows how to work. He knows what kind of work he needs to do to get from point A to point B. And he's humble enough to know that he has to do all this work to survive and to succeed in this league. And the funny thing is now you look at it, now they're asking him, hey, are you a top five receiver in the NFL? And he thinks he's close, but he's not. He's a top 10 guy, but not top five at this point. But can he get there? He feels confident. And the one thing that they also talked about is you get that quarterback, then you can get in that top five because now you're going to you're gonna have a lot more production than you ever had before. And that's going to come back to Sam Howell, right? If he can do it, if he can be that guy that would help a guy like McLaurin get even more notice. It's about, you know, listen, this team's success, success is about more than McLaurin getting noticed, but just from an individual standpoint, that's when he'd get more accolades. But anyways, go listen to the interview. It's very insightful. It's why we've given him the good guy award. For three straight years, it's not just because he's a nice guy. It's about professionalism, cooperation, but also the insightful answers. You could ask him a question on anything, and he's going to give you a reasoned, well thought out answer because it's just the kind of guy he is. And as an Ohio State guy, you know, I remember hearing all this stuff about him oh, what a great leader he is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He is as real a deal as anybody I've covered in the NFL as far as like what the reputation is what the reality is. I don't know. It's hard for me to say that I've ever met someone who's m- more like that than Terry McLaurin. So anyway, let's get back to the roster. A couple things. One of the things that Ron Rivera talked about on Thursday was we asked him about some of the big improvements overall, some of the little things, not just like he talked yesterday about guys staying after practice and helping each other. And that's big. That's very big. There's also other things too. And one of the things he said was improved communication. And it wasn't just and it wasn't just about like the secondary, the defense. It was offensive linemen. It was other guys taking more vocal roles. But he also pointed to the secondary, and that's important there. And we saw it too. And I've talked about this. I've seen it. You can see guys who get their get the coverage scheme a lot better, and that makes makes a big difference. So one of the stats I went back and looked: where were they at? And I just said, okay, plays given up of thirty yards or more last year. So in the let's see through the first. Eight games last year, they gave up 14 pass plays of 30 yards or more. That led the NFL. That was, that. there was a worse than the NFL, I should say. That was, to me, a result of communication, William Jackson, also some other young guys playing, Cam Curl not playing, all a result of that. Well, in the last, from week 11 on, they were 14th. Now, is that great? No, but it's a hell of a lot better than what they were the first ten, certainly the first, certainly the first eight weeks, and even the next ensuing weeks. So, fourteenth overall, that's middle of the pack. I think they should be better than that this year. Some of that's going to be about the offenses you play. But even in practice, what you you don't see a lot of just breakdowns, right? And you would see that before, but you don't, you're really not seeing it as you're not seeing it a lot now. So I think that's but that goes back to improved communication. Also, second year in this defensive coverage system, fourth year in the defense. I know you've heard me say that a lot, but I said it again because it's important to know. But it does start with communication. I think the communication is helped by you, you they have done a they still need to work on that offensive line, but they've done a good job, I think, compiling this secondary and getting with the right kind of guys to play in this system. That's smart, that's communicative, and and some talent. So you know, I think again, Saint Juice Forbes, those guys are talented. Quan Martin, I really like them. Another thing, special teams. One of the things that I like to start looking for at a certain point in practice is who's playing on all the special teams units. And if you remember, two years ago, I know Troy Epke is, is like everybody's player that they want to see they don't want to see on the roster. But I kept telling you a couple of years ago, and it wasn't just me, but I certainly saw it. Like he was on every special teams unit, just about. That's a great clue as to who's going to make the roster. Now it's a little bit early for that because you got to get through a couple of preseason games, get through that Ravens <clears throat> practice. But so who's out, some guys out there now, Milo Eifler um, with, has been with some of these groups, uh, the cornerbacks Rashad Wild Goose, uh, Tar Castro Fields. Just guys that I think are guys to watch for one of those last roster spots. And Dejon Harris, also in that group. There's, But there's a few in there. And, um, you know, I think that it's something just the bears watching. Not quite yet because, again, let's see some games and then you start to shuffle it out. But it is always something that provides a clue for what guys might get some of those last roster spots. And I tell you what. The defensive backfield is going to be very interesting because right now I had 10 of them making the roster going into the camp. It wouldn't shock me if 11 defensive backs make it. Then who is, or, and if that's the case, who's out elsewhere? Or if you only keep 10, who's out? Because it wouldn't shock me if they kept six corners with Wild Goose or Castro Fields or between those two and then um, Christian Holmes. Right now you're keeping one of those, one of that group, you know, because I think Danny Johnson will be on there. I'd be surprised if he's not. And then you have the top three, so there's four. And then you know, is there's a fifth? It's uh, which there would be. So it's a wild goose. Is it Castro Fields? Is it both? Is it Christian Holmes? And then with safety, you have Butler, Derek Forest, um, you have Cam Curl, and then you have Quan Martin, who would count as a safety, even though can play. He can play either spot, obviously slot and all that. And Jeremy Reeves. But you know, so would you know? That's that's a. It's going to be interesting what they do in the secondary, but. More time to talk about that down the road. And also I think at receiver. So right, right now, receiver, the top you have the top three, then you have Diami Brown. And then who are the fifth and sixth guys? Because I think they will keep six. And when I look at it right now, if I had to guess right now, it'd be Byron Pringle and Dax Milne. Then you have a guy like Kaz Allen, guys like Marcus Kemp, who's got special teams ability. Kaz Allen could be a returner. But we got to see what he can do from scrimmage first. And and they, they place a great deal of value on securing the ball as a punt returner. Above everything else, don't lose the ball. And uh, while you want to get the big play, the first thing you do is secure the ball. And I think Milne right now would be more apt to contribute from scrimmage, from scrimmage than a guy like Allen. But let's see what happens in the preseason because valance s- snaps off a few long runs, going to be hard to expose him. If not, then you can put him on the practice squad and have him around. And I think that's – right now, that's what I would guess would happen. But we'll see what happens over the course of time. And then Mason Brooks is another guy, undrafted free agent, offensive lineman, talked a lot about him the last two days. So where where does he fit in? And, you know, Ron Rivera was asked about him today and said that um, still has a ways to go, but he's, but he's certainly off to a good start for a guy who's undrafted. But he – you know, I think he's a guy – and again, I go back to the offensive line backup inexperience, which is why it might be hard to keep him, because if you kept him and you have Daniels and then Stromberg and Chris Paul, that's four very inexperienced backups. And you then you'd have a fifth, which would probably be Cornelius Lucas. You need to have someone else who's got a little bit more experience on that interior. Um, and that's why I think that a guy like Brooks might open up on the practice squad, but we'll see. Anyway, folks, that's it for me. I'll be back out on Friday with another practice uh, wrap up. And I'm going to have an extended practice report because it's going to, there's no practice on Saturday, and then they'll be back on there on Sunday. So tomorrow's practice report will be just a little bit longer. Going to have a guest on here for you to wrap up the second week of training camp. So I'll talk to you next time.